0: You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris-style podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Orr and Shotgun Spratling.
1: Welcome to the Family Feud podcast. I'm Keely Orr, joined alongside Shotgun Spratling. This is the special uh, Cotton Bowl Preview podcast episode. Shotgun, how are you doing today?
0: I'm ready to get this thing going. I mean, we got flights in the next 24 hours. We got a football game not too long away. Let's get this thing going.
1: We have flights in a couple hours. I don't know about you, but I'm 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 gonna be on a plane soon. But yeah, I'm ready to get going. And this episode is kind of gonna be interesting because usually um, our format is based off of a game, but there's been a lot of time since the USC played the last game. So that means we're gonna have to kind of do this preview episode a little different. Um, we're gonna do some news and notes at the top. A pick between Ohio State and USC by position, and then we're going to do some predictions. And uh, that'll be a nice little fun preview episode. So, uh, anything before we get started, shotgun?
0: Nope, nothing. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Um, news and notes. So, USC has been in Dallas for a while now. Um, they did a walkthrough on Sunday. Um, they had a Monday practice that was essentially a Tuesday practice. A Tuesday practice that was essentially a Wednesday practice. And then Wednesday's practice was described as like a light workout, um, finaling re- finalizing red zone stuff, Helton said. Um, and then Thursday is a walkthrough. Um, so kind of a normal schedule, if you will, if USC was like back at USC, but just practicing in Dallas or actually practicing at AT&T Stadium, which is pretty cool. You can kind of get a- like acclimized. Is that a- that's the word? acclimized acclimated thank you acclimated (laughs) it's it's early i can't do this it's acclimated um to that whole big screen big field situation maybe exercise not exercise exercise how do you say exercise the demons of of, okay and now i'm all worried the demons (laughs) of alabama's past you know so i think that helps they're also doing some um some practices at high schools, too, so they're switching off. But um, Helton actually said that Wednesday's practice was emotional because that was the last like, full-on practice they had with the seniors. And as you noted know, on Twitter, they actually did the whole high school jersey thing in Texas, which I was surprised about because I thought that was going to be a Howard Jones thing to pr- do the last official practice um, in your high school jersey.
0: Well, they did get the gauntlet and everything in you know, the last Howard Jones practice. Uh, at least a couple players had their high school jerseys in Texas with a I mean, after their last high school, I mean, after the last Howard Jones practice, guys like Nuchin and Wosu said it was just so early because they had an early morning practice that day, you know, 850 in the morning that they kind of forgot about the high school jersey thing. He <laughs> said he had it with him and he was gone, too, and he was really excited because Narbonne had just won, you know, the, the state title for the second time in three years. So he's really excited about wearing his jersey. And then you kind of forgot about it because they had such an early morning practice. So I guess they made up for it on the road in Texas. Yeah, you know, the, the fact that they're getting to return to AT&T Stadium, you know, maybe potentially get rid of the demons uh, of that Alabama game, uh, we'll see. Or it could just be, hey, we don't ever want to go back to that stadium again if they, they come out in a similar fashion against oh, Ohio no. State. Uh, but the fact that the, the younger guys that were not there last year or guys that didn't travel for the game or didn't play much, the fact that they're able to kind of get used to uh, the AT&T Stadium and the big screen and everything. And they also got to you know take in a Cowboys game, so they saw it from a different perspective. Uh, I believe it was, uh, I want to say it was Tyler Petit or, or maybe it was Christian Rector, one of the, one of the guys um, on the ends, uh, that, that said, you know, it's kind of different when you see it from up top. And, uh, you know, looking at it down at the field, you don't know whether to watch the screen or watch the field and see what's happening <laughs> Uh, as he says, kind of confusing in that regard. And I, someone else yesterday was talking about, or maybe it was two days ago, they was talking about how, you know, when you're on the field, you you kind of want to look up and watch everything on that big screen rather than even seeing, you know, what's on the field in front of you um, when you're on the sidelines and stuff. So, you, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they they respond to returning to that stadium and how they come out you know, early and see how the nerves are playing should be able to, should help them. The fact that they played there before, they should be familiar with the surroundings and getting to practice there more this week gives them an opportunity that this should kind of be a, not a home away from home, but a familiar stadium that they're used to.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, Heldon's really big about doing walkthroughs and making sure everyone is comfortable with the Coliseum. So they're kind of doing a mini version of that with AT&T, whether that will help or help the score. Who knows? Um, but the last open practice was, for the media was on Tuesday. Only 15 minutes were open. Um, but the last we heard from media who are in Dallas, Jack Jones was still rehabbing with the trainer and no sign of Porter Gustin suiting up. Um, so uh, something to look for. We didn't really hear anything about Chumadoga. He was out with a back issue before they left to Dallas. So we're, there's still some question marks since we're not really able to see much of the team
0: yeah but you know the chumanandoga was you know just a precaution at the time when he left uh, the last practice at Howard Jones. Jack Jones is the question mark. obviously you would like to see him. USC have that option if they would like to go to it along with Isaiah Langley and Iman Marshall on the outside. Uh, but the port- the ghost of Port Augustine appears that it will not make an uh, apparition appearance. Uh, At the AT&T Stadium, you'll see him probably on the sideline, but I don't think you're going to see him in this game once again. You know, just too uh, much to recover from after a second surgery on that foot.
1: Yeah, I would say the same. Um, But as you mentioned, they they went to Cowboys game. They also went to a Mavs game. There was a lot of festivities um, around this bowl. Is it concerning at all, not even just for USC, but also for Ohio State? There's so many things to do when it comes to bowls like this. Is it dis- you distracting at all if you're a player? Like, How do you focus on everything that's thrown at you in this type of environment?
0: You know, USC has to worry about this, I think, a little bit more than, than Ohio State. Because Ohio State you know, was in the, the semifinal last year. You know, they played in some bear games, whereas USC was in the Rose Bowl, and there's things that go along with that. There's a trip to Disneyland. There's the the Lowry's Beef Bowl and everything else. But you're in your home confines, so it's not quite the same as, hey, we're on the road, we're in a hotel for a week. How do we make sure we don't get anybody in trouble, that type of thing? How do we get everybody focused on the game when there's so many other things going on? Easier to focus, I think, when you're at home. Uh, and I think Christian Rector talked about how, you know, last year they were able to you know watch film in their own film room and they were able to you know they they could go through their normal routine even though they're doing these extracurricular activities on the side i think when you're on the road that's going to be a little bit different of a challenge there and this group you know playing in a big game versus, uh, you know, the Holiday Bowl, you know, which is right down the street. Again, um, I, I think it's a little bit different, you know, for this this un- this group because they haven't been going on any long trips and, and playing these big bowl games previously where the other stuff had been the last couple of years have been in their own backyard either at the Rose Bowl or the Holiday Bowl both.
1: As far as USC practicing, how do you think that they've handled this practice schedule? Um, Helton's kind of had an interesting way of handling um, – having a longer time to prepare for teams. Of course, the Wisconsin game stands out in my mind, but that was also kind of a weird setup. But do you think that they've approached it right with how they've been practicing? I mean, they had that weird second week where they kind of practiced, they kind of didn't, and then they had one full padded practice, I believe, out of this whole time period. How do you feel about all the way they went about practicing?
0: I would have went a little bit harder. I know USC has been trying to get back healthy. You know, that's one part of it. But especially for the development of those younger guys, that's what these bowl practices do for you. You have 15 practices. This is an opportunity for those freshmen, uh, guys, like they're just coming back from injury, like uh, Greg Johnson or Isaiah Pullumau. Those guys getting back on the field. This is a great opportunity for them to showcase. You don't have to. Your starters don't have to go hard in, in practice in the in the full pad practice. You can give them you know, a lighter rep counts and, and different things like that. But I think it's really big to give those young guys opportunities, guys like Jalen McKenzie, guys that you want to, you know, as a blue shirt that you want to develop into a future offense alignment, you know, a future starter for you. These are opportunities that they need, Austin Jackson, those guys. Uh, but so I think they should have went a little bit harder. I think they should have gone with a couple more pad practice. Even if you give your starters a little bit lighter load on those days, just the opportunity to improve in other areas rather than just focusing on the game. I think that's been one of the things that, uh, and maybe it's because of of how big this game is, that, hey, we're not going to focus on development as much as we want to win this game. This is a huge opportunity. Same thing with last year with the Rose Bowl. But I would like to see, you know, Give those young guys those extra opportunities because it means so much more. You know they've developed so much in a full year to give the or a full season to give them those opportunities at the end of the year, rather than waiting. You know, in three months to when they get back on the field again for spring practice, and then those guys get an opportunity. I, I think that you know, just for the development of the young guys, you should have went a little bit harder there. It was interesting, you know, it's kind of a weird schedule just with the way that the Christmas fell this year. The fact that this game is on a Friday versus a Saturday like the Fiesta Bowl would have been. Uh, so they had to push everything up there. Giving the guys a couple of days off with their families for Christmas, so we'll see how they come out. If they come out loose and you know ready to go, then you say, "Hey, great plan. If They come out and they look rusty and they look like they're a little bit lost, and you're like, "Wow, why didn't they practice?" It? You know. So it all becomes down to the results and, and whether things work out in that regard.
1: Yeah, but I agree. I I don't. I I wish they kind of would have went harder. I they haven't fully practiced in full pads since October because everyone knows about no pads November, um, which started. Two weeks earlier. Um for me, like I understand, I guess I understand no pads, November, if you're playing a full game every Saturday and you're getting that physicality every week. Whereas with the bowl practices, you weren't playing full pads at the end of the week every week. You know, you're you're not getting that full contact anywhere and you're still going no pads. I don't know if it's gonna be a little shell shock to get back into pads just to go against Ohio State. How much is that going to be? Could they be a little rusty? Could they be a little sluggish coming out of the gate? And knowing Ohio State, that could be the game if you're not ready from the beginning. Um, so I am very curious how USC comes out. Um but this team has proven to be very interesting when we try to predict how they are <laughs> when we when they practice. I mean, I know that before the a- ASU game, I was like, well, this is going to be a dud. They are so flat. And then, boom, ASU was one of their most um, impressive games, I guess, if you will. So I guess we can't really pin it on how they practice. Uh, yeah,
0: true. And Clancy have talked about how, you know, defensives often come out in bowl games slow because they're not used to the speed of of an offense because you've gone a month without seeing, you know, the true speed of a team and, you know, having an opportunity with some extra padded practices that kind of speeds things up. You get back to, you know, more of a game speed rather than, you know, thuds where people are slowing down before hits and different things like that. So we'll see how that, uh, the return on investments for USC, uh, in the game, because like you said, Sometimes they look terrible and they come out great. Sometimes they look great and they come out terrible. So it's kind of a, a unique team in, yeah. in regards to their preparation.
1: Yeah, for sure. All righty. Well, let's go into Pick'Em. We're going to go by position by position. Um, defense will be a little bit more general, but – This is such a, I was, we decided to go for this segment and I are like two hours into prepping. I told shock and I was like, this is the worst segment for me because (laughs) if you haven't listened to this podcast this season, I am the most indecisive person. I pretty much for all positions, except for the obvious ones, I was like, well, I could see this or this, like the problem.
0: And that's what makes this, this (laughs) such a tremendous pick opportunity because there's so many even matchups and that's what makes could make this a tremendous game you know hopefully we have something similar to the rose bowl especially since i wasn't at the rose bowl last year yeah
1: we have to make up for that
0: (laughs) yeah so hopefully you know with the opportunity of these two teams matching up we have a a great game and you know the fans will get their their money's worth for the people that are traveling to dallas or those just watching on tv there's a lot of great players in this game so the matchups could become important so we're going to just kind of look at see who's Who's better at each
1: position? You know what's interesting is while I was making while I was preparing for this, I started making a list of what I was actually excited for slash looking forward to and like looking for in this game. Can I just list it off because I made the list for some reason? <laughs> Go for it. I said which team actually shows up, which is also like, important for the pick'em because I kept going through this, like, well, if they actually play a good game, you know, both Ohio State and USC have problems of being like, well, which player are you going to get? Are you going to get the good one or the inconsistent one, which is interesting. Um, Helton going against Urban Meyer, that will be an interesting ma- matchup. Any differences without Tyson in the offense? Noticeable differences. Um, does Darnold step up? is He's, he's a gamer, so does a flip switch and then we see the Rose Bowl Darnold now in the Cotton Bowl? Is it, like, a, a bowl thing? Who knows? Um, how does Clancy stop an offense full of talent, not just one or two marquee guys? You know, the defense has something to prove after the Notre Dame performance. Um, I know some of the defensive players talked about it this week. And then the paper versus the game. I mean, on paper, Ohio State looks like the clear winner here. But you know, a game is a game. Any given Saturday, I guess. Right? Okay. There's my little and except we're
0: gonna play on Friday this game. So. Oh,
1: true. Any given Friday, I believe. Well, this sounds less exciting. But yeah, I mean,
0: I, I had a couple of questions that I'd marked down too. uh, you know, whose last game is this? I oh, think be that's a great one too. Um, and then also since I assume that Ronald Jones is leaving, um, who plays better in their last game in their home state, JT Barrett or Ronald Jones, both of yep. these guys are from Texas. I was uh, so that too. they're both going to be want to leave their mark on that. And, uh, one thing I just noted, I don't know if you saw this story, but it, it came out in one of Dan Weber's pieces that the T Martin got left at the stadium. He pulled Elaine Kiffin, <laughs> um, That's amazing. He he was apparently in the booth drawing up plays or something. He was working on working on the uh, play sheet, I think. Um, Maybe typing out you know all the plays that they wanted to run, that type of thing, putting in the situations to get his chart ready. And he, he said he noticed that it got quiet. He said he went out and checked the buses to see if the buses were there and they were gone. He asked the security guys, like, oh, yeah, they left like 15 minutes ago. Luckily, wow. there's a equipment guy there to help him out. But, you know, he was he was so invested in the his play sheet, apparently, that he got left at the stadium, pulled a Lane Kiffin. Um, so... You know, former USC offense coordinators apparently just get left, uh, you know, at stadiums. Wow. Apparently that's what happens.
1: That's hilarious. How do you – he must have been really drawing up some good plays if you're that focused about your whole team leaving.
0: Yeah. Apparently he's uh, – as as 50 Cent said, he's fully focused, man.
1: Yeah, apparently so. Okay, pick them. Quarterback. Who do Quarterback. you Quarterback.
0: This, this is an interesting. I, I think the – the game kind of rests on this this battle. Yeah. Uh, whoever, whichever quarterback plays to their capability, will lead their team to victory. If either te- if either quarterback plays to their fullest ability, I think that team wins. If both teams play their fullest ability, I think you get the Rose Bowl again. I think mm, you get yeah. a matchup that that just you know leaves everyone in awe of watching two great offenses, you know, be able to turn yep. up some yards against some pretty good defenses. Uh, so I think Sam Darnold's the the got the advantage here. I mean, he can do it with his feet. He can do it with his arm. Whereas JT Barrett, you know, a lot of the – from what I've read, a lot of the Ohio State play calling will depend on how JT Barrett kind of does early in the game. If the coaches feel like he's ready to throw the ball and he's going to be accurate versus, you know, if he's not, then they might kind of shell up and and go into, you um, you know, a full running game attack versus, you know, opening things up and throwing the ball downfield and doing some other things. Uh, I think they kinda sense that when JT is on, JT's really good. When JT's not, we better do something else. So I, I think that USC can rely on Donald a little bit more than Barrett, but if Barrett is is at full uh, strength and playing, you know, as well as he is capable of, then he just does he just creates a different dynamic for that offense. Similar to like if Khalil Tate you know, is able to connect on some passes early, or Brandon Wimbush for Notre Dame, those dual threat quarterbacks. If they can open up with some passes early, it changes the dynamic of the offense going forward in the game. And you saw Brandon Wimbush was able to hit some passes against USC through that touchdown to Equanime St. Brown, and then it kind of opened their offense up. So USC had a, you know, they couldn't play island coverage outside the whole game, uh, and you know, Notre Dame was able to run the ball a little bit better versus. When Bush against Miami, he misses some throws early, and they're never able to get their offense going. So uh, I think that is this is the biggest matchup of the game. So it took a little bit more time with this one, but I think Sam Darnold has the advantage in this one. If he comes out on top, USC can pull the upset.
1: Yeah, I agree. I put I put Sam Darnold. Um, I thought it was interesting. I, I is it one of those things where they can tell if JT's on. In warmups? Is it like a first snap thing in the first play? Like, I'm really curious how they figure out when JT, what type of JT is it for each game? Um, but because when Darnold was having his inconsist- inconsistencies and, and fumble issues, I kind of was like, wow, USC is really relying on Darnold too much. Maybe go to Rojo more or something like that. But when you look at Ohio State, they really rely on whether or not JT is on or not. Running back, who do you got?
0: Running back, I'm taking Ronald Jones. I mean, he's been one of the best running backs in the country all season. And then you got Steven Carr back healthy to create a different, a uh, little bit different, explosive, uh, make you miss type uh, for the backups. USC's got a full complement of running backs this game. I mean, J.K. Thomas has been tremendous as a freshman this year for Ohio State, over 1,300 yards rushing. They have Mike Weber as well. But I'm taking the guy that has been consistent all year for USC, Ronald Jones.
1: Yeah, this is the one that I had. Um, Trouble with just because you gotta factor, you almost have to factor in the O line when you look at this because Ronald Jones with with an O line with a good USC O line, I'm picking Ronald Jones all day. If USC's O line can't do it, I don't know if I'm picking Rojo and company. You know, so I. But even though I say I say that, I picked Ronald Jones O line. Who do you have?
0: I mean, I think this one's pretty easy with the O line. I mean, Ohio State's offensive line is much better. They have the Remington Trophy winner and Billy Price at center. Uh, they have a really not, a really good left tackle. So I, I think USC, both teams actually have had similar track records as far as this year with a right guard going down midway through the season and having to replace them and everybody else kind of staying healthy. So I, I think you have two units that are playing pretty good coming into this game. Uh, but I, I think, you know, whoever wins the trench battle on both sides of the ball, you know, will be victorious regardless of what the quarterbacks can do. Uh, but Ohio State definitely has the advantage going into this game on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, I picked Ohio State for the O-line. Um, and yeah, I know you said that quarterback will decide it. I really think the line play will decide it on both sides of the ball. Um, if USC can get it going, I don't know. I, I, I just, like we said, Ohio State is just the more experienced O-line. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when USC's O-line goes against a tough uh, defensive uh, front for Ohio State. Wide receiver and tight end, all right.
0: Before we, before I get to that, yes. uh, I would say that I think the quarterback play will depend on the offensive line. So I th- still think it's going to come out of the quarterback. But
1: <laughs> you're looping I, it in somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm looping this in. I think it's going to come back to the quarterback, but I think the offensive line will, will help determine that a lot, uh, or the defensive line play. But you know, both on both sides of the ball for the teams. The trench battle will determine if the quarterbacks have an opportunity to be really good, I think. Now to the wide receiver and tight ends. Well, hold on, catching... hold on,
1: hold on. But it's like a chicken or the egg thing. <laughs> I really think it's the O-line, thus the quarterback. You know I mean, what I'm
0: saying? The quarterback, sometimes you can do some things to get the quarterback going, even if your offensive line is playing terribly. I and so. also both these quarterbacks have an opportunity to make guys miss so they can make up for a couple of missed assignments for the offensive line. If that's yeah, what
1: but... As we saw with Notre Dame, USC, if they can't – especially with Darnold being a little inconsistent this year, if there's not enough protection for Darnold, it doesn't go swimmingly is all I'm saying.
0: Darnold's going to be fine this game. It's a big game. He's, 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 he's going to put his big boy pants on. He's a gamer. Yeah. I
1: have a bold prediction that uh, Darnold is going to – something. some l- switch is going to flip for Darnold and he's going to go off in this game for some reason. That's my prediction. He knows. He feels the bright lights of a stage – and I think this is going to be—he's rested. I think he's going to have a game. That's my bold prediction. He's going to
0: have a game.
1: A game. It's like uh, him with injuries. Uh, yeah. Uchenna has a a, a, an ankle. <laughs> You're like yes, he does. He has two. Okay, uh, wide receiver, tight end. I'm going
0: with Ohio State. You know they have several options at the wide receiver position. They all have more than 20 catches except for. Uh, one guy who has 18, and eight of those were touchdowns. So the fact that they have several weapons, and you know they have speed to burn on the outside, which is going to give USC DBs some fits. Uh, so we'll see how much Clancy Pendergast can leave those guys on islands and, and you know go man coverage there, so he can bring extra blitzes and different things and try to stop the run. I think you know the the wide receiver is going to make that difficult for USC to do.
1: Yeah, I think Ohio State definitely has the advantage there. Um, one of the best quotes coming from Dallas this week was Chris Hawkins, who knew the forty times for the Ohio State's wide receivers. Like that's just dedication. I know he's a film guy, but knowing the wide receivers forty times is just unreal. Whatever
0: it takes, Chris Hawkins is trying to get all the info he can.
1: Pass rush. See, here's the thing that we were a little inside baseball. Shotgun and I couldn't decide whether we should do pass rush or defensive line or both. What, what, did, what did we decide, Shotgun? I mean, let's do
0: pass rush. I think USC has the better pass rush. We were debating whether, you know, if you just go straight defensive line, the question then becomes, does your chin and Owosu become part of the defensive line? Or is he part of the linebacker court? Because we're going to look at linebackers next as well. So that makes it more difficult. So we're going to do just straight pass rush. So Utena DeLosu is definitely included in that. Now, Ohio State has you know, four terrific defensive ends. They rotate guys in. They have six, I think, defensive tackles that they rotate in. A lot of rotation on that defensive line. They mix and match a lot of guys. You know, when they get in the pass uh, passing down situations, they'll put all four defensive linemen, uh, four de- defensive ends in the game together, moving. You know, Nick Bosa inside, play a little D tackle, and just rush at the passer. He's their best pass rusher. He leads the team with seven sacks. I don't think he's quite his brother though. I don't think he's at the same level that Joey was when he was at at Ohio State just yet, and, and definitely not where Joey's at right now, just dominating for the Chargers. Uh, so I, I think that will be a big matchup. For Toto I talked to him a little bit about that last week, I believe, or maybe even two weeks ago. It's all kind of mumbled and Blaring. jumbled in my head, uh, but but he said, you know, the extra time he's had an opportunity to watch and you know, kind of look at the all the pass moves, uh, pass rush moves that that these individuals have, and Bosa in particular is a guy that he's paid a lot of attention to. So we'll see how, how that matches up. I got USC though. I mean, they, they've been so good as a as a whole team, whole defense of getting to the quarterback and you know, leading the nation in sacks. No, I think it all starts with a, a healthy Uchen and Owosu. I think he's going to be a terror in this game.
1: So are you saying pass rush, USC, defensive line, Ohio State? Is that what you're saying?
0: Probably because, you know, USC's quote-unquote defensive line is two people, Rasheen Green and Josh <laughs> Fatu point. and, you know, you mix in other guys. So <laughs> we just talked about how uh, Ohio State has 10 guys that they rotate. So that's yeah, a, it seems think, like an I'd advantage. I just the numbers on that one.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about Ohio State is, like, not only are they talented, but they have – like depth of talent which is just impressive linebackers
0: linebackers I'm gonna go with USC here just because you got Cameron Smith uh, you know I think he's been really good and I think John Houston has played great down the stretch of uh, this season I think those two guys and, and you get to the question if you're including youhinoso we're not I'm not considering him in this, but I think some of the issues that Ohio State has had in games like Iowa, the Iowa game is that the tight ends were open over the middle, and that was on the linebackers. Uh, you know, I think that their linebackers are, are much better going forward than they are going back into coverage, so uh, I, I think that's something to, to watch in this. If USC can find some ways to get get Deontay Burnett or Daniel Bebe in some one-on-one coverages with those linebackers and forcing them to cover over the middle, uh, but I got USC in this one.
1: Yeah, I do too. Um, how about secondary slash coverage?
0: So if you break this up into cornerbacks versus safeties, I would take Ohio State at cornerback and USC at safety. However, if we're just doing straight coverage, I'm definitely taking Ohio State. I mean, they have an All-American and Denzel Ward. Uh, you know, USC has had some busts uh, in the in the back ends when they, you know, and a lot of it is the fact that they play so much man-to-man coverage on the outside and they force those, you know, cornerbacks, Jack Jones and Amon Marshall and Isaiah Langley, Hey, we need you guys to step up. You got to go cover these guys one on one. If that's the case in this game, you know Ohio State has that speed to burn. So if they if they get behind, uh, you know in those one on one coverages, it might become big chunk plays rather than you know you know plays that the USC can keep in front of them. That's going to be the key. Can they make uh, JT Barrett throw and beat them with nickel and diming down the field, or if they you know get a guy behind him, he can just throw it up. The guy runs under it. It's a much different. Uh, you know, much different pass for a quarterback. Much easier to just lay it out there versus you know having to make precision passes all the way down the field. I think that that Ohio State uh, is going to challenge USC's receivers too. You know, Denzel Ward. You know, where do they line him up at? Who do they put him on? Do they, they man him up with anybody? Does he just you know does he take one side? Does USC try to to put different guys over on the side that he's on? Um, I, I think the, those are all interesting matchups within the matchup. But I got Ohio State for coverage.
1: Yeah. How much do you think Jack Jones' health affects this game? How much do you think Isaiah Langley has stepped up um, in his role?
0: You know, I think Isaiah Langley has played really well down the stretch. You know, I, I think it was a, a question mark coming in because there's not much depth at that position when Greg Johnson gets hurt early in the season and Jakari Godfrey was already injured. Um, so I, I think the fact that I, Isaiah Langley has, came, has come on, and, you know, ever since the Notre Dame game when Emon Marshall went down and, you know, basically I threw at Langley, you know, couple of the first plays and you know, one of them was a very nice catch uh, and throw and, and you know he but besides that he played pretty well in that game and I think he you know he held his own. He had a couple of plays where I'm sure he wished he had back uh, it, down the stretch but i thought he played pretty well and gives usc some confidence and they have a second guy there so if jack jones is able to come back and it's healthy then hey we can rotate three guys in if we want to and we, we can go with a hot hand if it has happens to be that you know instead of you know we like the colorado game when jack jones gets burnt and there's no one else you can really put in there uh you know even if you know if a, a db gets upset and he gives him a big play Maybe we'll give him a little bit of a break. They didn't really have that op- opportunity in the Colorado game with Eamon Marshall still hurt. And I, th- I think Eamon Marshall's played really well since he's come back. So, you know, this is an opportunity for him to showcase that, hey, I can play with guys that have NFL speed and different things too. So I think he's going to be amped up to, to try to show his stuff in this game as well.
1: How much do you think this game – this made me think of it because of Eamon Marshall. How much do you think this game, if a, a guy who – a junior – is on the edge if they have a great game how much does this individual game push guys over the edge as far as their decision
0: if usc was playing university of central florida or they were playing a team that does not have the same caliber athlete that ohio state is i think it doesn't matter as much but this is a moneymaker game you know this is a game where toa lobandon going in as nick Bosa on the edge you can say hey look I can go up against a league pass rush, or even if I have to go inside in the NFL and play interior position, look what I can do against an NFL caliber guy that's coming off the edge. Or, you know, for Iman Marshall, hey, I can play against the speed, or, you know, Chris Hawkins or any of those other guys. You know, this is an opportunity to boost your stock in a game like this. Um, you know, Ronald Jones, if, if – Ohio State's able to get penetration against the USC offensive line. He makes guys miss and still picks up yardage. You know, I think those are the things that that you can showcase in this game because you're playing against such talented players on the other side as well. And, you know, somebody like Sam Darnold. He could, you know, if he goes and, and balls out in this game, and then, you know, maybe that makes his decision a little bit easier for him because he says, hey, you know, I've done this twice in these big games. What do I have left to prove in college? besides maybe come back to try to win a national championship, you know, that's going to be the most interesting decision, obviously this off season for USC, but there are other ones that are, that are very interesting as well too. When regime green, the interior line, if he goes against, you know, if he gets matched up against uh, uh, Billy Price in the interior and you're going against the nation's best center and you whip him a couple of times and put that on tape, you know, that shows out a little bit more than if you're playing, you know, the, the kid from UCF that's their center and, I don't want to take anything away from UCF. They were tremendous this year, but you know, a guy that was a two- or three-star guy coming out of high school that they picked up and has become a good player at UCF is much different than the best center in the nation.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, well, let's transition to predictions. I just want to know, finally, we kind of already discussed this. You somehow read my notes without me sharing them with you. What or who does this game bet- depend on for you?
0: You know, I, you know it starts in, in the trenches, obviously. But I think it comes down to the quarterback and who plays better, Um, you know, and the offensive line will have a huge portion of that, who gives their quarterback time to make plays. You know, if it's JT Barrett running the ball, if his offensive line gives him some uh, holes to run through, he gets going early, you know, they give him time to make some throws early and he starts feeling good about himself and starts hitting on some throws because he can be a dangerous passer too. It's just he's been inconsistent with that. So if they give him more opportunity or more time early that gives him, you know, an opportunity to get in the groove, uh, I think it really changes things. But I think it comes down to the quarterback plays. You got J.T. Barrett playing his last game at, at Ohio State trying to leave a legacy there and playing in his home state. I think he's going to be amped up. Uh, if he's not too amped up and he can control himself, you know, I, I think that this is a you know a tough game for USC. They got to get to JT Barrett and and cause him to make some bad throws. Uh, so I think it comes down to the quarterbacks. That's my my final decision.
1: Final answer? You? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's line play and thus how the quarterback plays. Um, but ultimately, if Sam Donald's, Donald Donald's on fire, it doesn't matter what the O line's doing because Donald's gonna do what Donald does. Um, but yeah. Um, So I think we're on the same page as as far as that goes. Shocking. I know. Um, For once this year. So what, what, I guess, yeah, I guess we're not feuding as much this episode. What for you are the keys for USC to get a victory?
0: We'll, we'll feud uh, next week when we recap this game. Oh yeah, sure. no,
1: that's when the real feud, feud happens. Yeah, because
0: you, you'll try to use some stock net neutral bullcrap and, <laughs> yes. and it's just not going to happen.
1: Thank you for uh, mentioning the token stock neutral each podcast. I almost forgot it this time, but thank you shotgun no. for bringing it up i know you're secretly a true fan of stock neutral
0: has well, not true at all it's so true uh, what are the keys for usc to win this game you know I, I think they have to control the line of scrimmage you know obviously we just talked about that uh if you can do that then it changes things and you you talked you mentioned it earlier which team places their capability versus make, cre- creates uh you know bad turnovers or uh, is called for silly penalties you know both of these teams have had times the, during the season where it's just like what what is this team doing like why are they not playing as well as they you know we know there's plenty of talent there why is this happening and you know it, it can be dumb things like that you know uh you know who's going to be the one to get the unsportsmanlike uh conduct penalty on a third and five or something <laughs> you, you think you made a stop and all of a sudden it leads to a you know what, what ends up being a touchdown drive rather than forcing the team to punt those are the type of things that change a game completely and especially when you have such high caliber. Uh, athletic teams like this. So yeah that's going to be key to this game is who, who plays their capability and who makes a dumb mistake that, that maybe turns the tide One mistake could completely change this game. Um, so we'll, we'll see you know these teams that have both you know been really good at times and, and really head scratching at times which team is the really good version uh, on Friday?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because this game will kind of be the test of what's been nagging USC all season long. I don't think they've had a season, I mean, a game this season where they haven't had some boneheaded, like, what was, you know, what was that, <laughs> you know? Um, even in the, the Pac-12 championship, in the, t- the, towards the end of the second quarter, the third quarter, there were things where it was just like, Play after play piled up on each other, and it looked like it kind of USC was shooting themselves in the foot, and it was kind of going away from from USC. I don't know if they can afford to do that against a tough Ohio State team. They kind of have to play perfect in the sense that you don't you play discipline, you don't have uh, false start penalties, you don't do things where you're hurting yourself in the long run. Um, and I don't know if USC can actually do that for a full game, especially if there's been a lot of time between their last game. Will they be c- consistent in that sense? Also limiting the explosive plays that's hampered Clancy's defense. Um, will they be able to do that? Will they be able to get to JT Barrett? Um, I don't know. So I'm, I'm really curious, but at the same time, like I, I, I kept going back and forth. I'm like, I can really just see Ohio state handling USC easily and then I'm like, I don't know, I can see USC doing their weird USC thing where all of a sudden they're, they're <laughs> rattled, Ohio State is rattled, and then we have ourselves a game. So I really go back and forth, but I definitely think USC has to play clean, which seems obvious and stupid enough, but they have to. Um, and that's not something we've necessarily seen from them, but I'll, I'll, it's interesting to see if they can actually do that.
0: One thing that will help USC... There will not be Pac-12 reps, so you will not get a <laughs> ball spin penalty, you know, 15 yards for breaking the wrist, uh, you know, to spin the ball. That will not happen in this game. I'm very uh, thankful for hopefully, that. Hopefully that will not happen. You mean we game. won't
1: get a 15-minute stoppage during the third quarter?
0: <laughs> well, I don't I'm... know. If they if they will let me know if they're going to have the stoppage so I can go charge all my batteries and <laughs> upload some extra photos, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with it. But, yeah. uh, they should they, you know I need a wink from somebody uh, the red hat or something before that this happens uh, <laughs> before they make that decision oh uh, you God. know USC hasn't played clean at times this year but uh, and and one of the storylines coming in was oh my goodness they're playing a team that has the same amount as talent as them and, and maybe you know if you look at the recruiting rankings it's true there's not many teams that can compete you know, as far as recruiting rankings over the, the long haul with USC, you have the Alabamas, you have the Ohio States. So USC is now facing one of those teams again that has the same caliber of athlete across the board. Do we see a similar situation as last year in the AT&T Stadium when the kickoff classic, when USC was staying with Alabama, staying with something bad happened, and then the you know the kind of the lights went out on USC, you know that they took a knockout blow and hit the canvas and didn't come back up until the next day. Um, so I, I want to see how USC responds, you know, if something doesn't go their way early. Um, That will be kind of key to me, you know, playing against these teams. Because even even Penn State, I think USC has had better athletes. There were a couple of guys on that Penn State team that were really good, uh, but across the board, not quite the same caliber athlete as Ohio State has or USC has or Alabama. I think those are kind of your three front runners still uh, at this point as far as, you know, just overall talent across the board. And some other teams like Georgia and, you know, uh, the Auburns, you know, are up there as well. But Can USC compete with a team like that? Or will... You know, if something bad happens, uh, they fold. Uh, I I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I don't think it'll be like the Alabama game last year. I think that was partly that was because it was Clancy's first game with that defensive group. I think you're not going to see the same type of mistakes in this game. But you know, they could still get beat one on one type of things rather than just having busted coverages like there were last year. Uh, So you know, this game will be really interesting. This kind of will tell the tale of the season. We talked about the Pac-12 game being, you know, people won't remember. You know the close games. If you win the Pac-12 championship, and that's correct. But you know, you win this, and nobody talks about. Oh, you guys just barely beat Arizona. They came back and tied the game, or whatever, or took the lead, whatever it was in that game. Nobody remembers that. They remember. Oh man, you guys were twelve and two with a with a Cotton Bowl win over, uh, you know, an Ohio State team that was competing for the playoff. That's what will be remembered. But will they be able to do that?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with all the points you made. Um, it's so naturally you should. <laughs> Have- this is
0: see now you're getting to where you're you're getting good on this podcast. You're agreeing with what
1: I say, oh, so that's, you know that so- means you. False. So false. I you think are, I uh, think one could argue that you're better. getting good. The fact that I'm able to agree with you and i not have to debate you on every random ridiculous thing you say. No, but Oh, you know, Every ridiculous thing I say is correct. You just no. need to get bored. No, that's false. But I, this game <laughs> is so interesting because it's it's literally you can directly compare AT and T Alabama to this game. I mean, even down to the the weird entrance that USC did to start the Alabama game. I mean, I think you still had the characteristics of the coaches before left in the team um, against Alabama. I remember some players taking uh, photos before coming out in the second half in the tunnel, and I'm like, what? This is a football game. Why are you taking photos? But, like, you could really see how we've talked about it this season. This team has character. This team, if something goes wrong, they're not going to – close it up and go home. Um, and maybe that's a Clay Helton thing, to give credit to the coaching staff, but this team has character, and that's not something we necessarily saw against Alabama. And so it'll be interesting to see that, that kind of dynamic back in AT&T. You can kind of make that narrative, okay, what is this team now that Clay Helton has kind of infused his character and his um, type of uh, style of coaching and play into this team. Um, so that will be really interesting to see.
0: You also can look back at last year, the difference in the first game of season, last game of season. What they gave up? Six, what was it four touchdowns in a row? Well, okay, that was the
1: other point that I was going to say. I actually don't agree with it. So, so there you go. I don't agree with you because Clancy's defense actually hung in there. It was the offense that just couldn't get anything going, and then you had the Jabari thing, and then suddenly. It just all unraveled. You can't hang with the Alabama team that long if you're not scoring. So I think Clancy's defense actually did like pretty well, all things what, what considered. Was the score? Okay. What was the score? What was the score going into the half? What was the score? What was the score going into the half? You tell, can't me. tell me. Tell me. What was the yeah, score I going into the half? I said they hung in
0: there for a little bit, and then everything fell apart. You can't tell me the defense hung in there though when they got 52 points hung on. Okay.
1: Them. What I'm okay. When I, what I'm saying is, if your offense isn't doing anything and you're on the field. If you're, doing, if you're going three and out against Alabama.
0: Oh, my goodness. <sighs> LSU beat them 7-3 to three in a game. Or just, it was the other way around. Okay, I'm not saying it was, was like a beautiful
1: right home about defensive performance. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying you could give them a little more credit. I think it was no, more on the no, offense no. than it was the oh, – whatever, whatever. Oh, this is you know such what? a we stupid get, thing to argue about. <laughs> Just
0: give USC's defense credit for that Notre Dame game. Oh. I mean, they only gave up 49 points, right? <laughs> the offense just saying. didn't help them out at all.
1: That's not what I'm saying. You yeah, know? they got
0: ran all over because the defense was terrible in that game. Part that, of it was guys were missing. That was such but a... you can't blame the offense when you give up 49 points or when you get up 52 points. But uh, The offense gives them the ball at the 10 yard
1: line every time, maybe. No, but no. No. What? whatever this is t- i'm not arguing about this because this is dumb and i'm right and we need to wrap up this podcast
0: <laughs> we're going through a whole uh, family feud podcast without us arguing yeah we cursed guys- it
1: too we talked about it <laughs> <laughs> we we're like oh so happy We're this is such a it's easy breezy podcast and then boom the
0: yeah you should know better than start disagreeing with me
1: oh oh my gosh okay what's your prediction how do you think this game is going to go who who's going to be the winner Oh, you know, I think USC is going to cover the spread for
0: once, uh, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to win. Mm. We'll go thirty-one twenty-seven.
1: Interesting. How, in maybe
0: twenty-seven twenty-four, something like that. And that's, in that somewhere there.
1: In that sense, how big is this game as far as USC's morale and national perspective? Because they made a case like, "Hey, we were the little brothers who didn't get even mentioned seriously in the the national the college football playoff." If they somehow get run out of the stadium or something embarrassing. How actually embarrassing is this, if a potential loss and how much does that carry over if that happens?
0: You know, it carries over as much as that Rose bowl win did last year. How much did that help them? Those two games they lost to Notre Dame and Washington state, you know, you're, you're each team, each year, your team's going to be different. Uh, It just, it just carries the narrative in the off season more than anything else. Uh, What will matter is, what the quarterbacks do in the game and whether the quarterback comes back next year for USC, that will be what matters to, you know, how it carries the perspective going into the next season more than, you know, how they completely perform and how that, you know, that it will change how their performance is next year. It, you know, they can get blown out in this game and come back and win a national championship next year. You know, if Sam Donald returns, everybody returns, whatever, uh, you know, they have the talent to do that. But, I don't think one game – the weight of one game doesn't carry over into the next season. I don't think you have a hangover from a game like this. I mean, because it's not quite 2005, 2006, you know, Rose bowl Vince Young game. I think that had a carryover effect, a hangover for the USC program. I don't think this game has that same type of effect.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, you could argue that you – like a lot of college football, especially with the committee now – you have branding and hype and how you look and the USC's Rose Bowl win gave them a lot of hype. It gave them that that offseason ranking that they had gave Darnold the Heisman hype that he had. The national media is kind of fickle and you could argue that the hype that could come from this game or not could carry over in ways that it probably shouldn't but could.
0: But how many of those things played out this season?
1: I mean, I'm just saying it, it could loft you where you don't have to make I, I, I'm not saying it's the only factor. I'm just saying it's a factor now with I mean, how everything works.
0: The same Ohio State team got absolutely destroyed by Clemson last year. 31 nothing, yeah. Zero points. JT okay. Barrett, zero points. And how did that change their perspective this year? They were still a top-five team coming into the season. You know, If they wouldn't have got blown out by Iowa, they'd be in the college football playoff. Um, I don't think the committee was looking at it and goes, oh, man, they lost 31 nothing last year. We should probably put Alabama in instead. You know, that that's, that doesn't factor in. It matters what you do on the field during the season of play. Now, if you want to carry the narrative, you want to be the, you know, wire-to-wire wire number one, that matters. What what you do on the field the next season, I don't think it matters.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Whatever. So what's your prediction? You've gone <laughs> um, this way trying to not make a prediction. So no, no,
1: it? no. I have one in my back pocket. People have been asking it for, like, three weeks, so I knew I had to, like, deliver. Um, <laughs> no, I think... I'm so indecisive. I think Ohio State's gonna win, 30 to 31. I think. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Wait, last minute drive or the Sam Darnold mm-hmm. have the ball in his hands oh. and can't make get it done.
1: I, I okay for USC fans' sake, I hope not. I, I like if that's his last play, like a wazoo thing where it just like has a weird like thing out of his arm and like fumbles or something like that. I would hate to see that for USC fans, just because you don't want to like have Darnold leave on that note, but.
0: So you would rather the defense give up a score? As
1: the Gosh, game this is such a <laughs> asking the tough question. Um, yeah, because you can forgive the defense, I guess. If, if, if you're a USC fan, you can just forget the Ohio State game and then just remember the Uchenna fourth and one stop over and over <laughs> in your head. I, I, Funny, I, what
0: if what if Chase McGrath misses a field goal at or gets blocked?
1: Okay, but Chase McGrath is coming back, so oh, I but know, that, but that would be so your, sad. Your
0: perspective of the, of the ending, too. It,
1: oh, true. I guess that's like the universe, like balancing out the Texas game. I don't know.
0: Well, what if someone drops the fourth down? Are we going to go conversion? through every scenario
1: shotgun? Is, yes, that, is this what we're doing? Well. now? Gosh. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's get you on a plane. Yeah, I need I'll to get you to a plane.
1: Sounds Gucci. Um, yeah. So we will have a. We'll recap the game with our famous family feud podcasting style i don't know where i'm going with this but we're gonna have another podcast and then we're gonna have a season family feud episode with a lot of like controversial stock up stock down i'm assuming so it's gonna be good it's definitely gonna be good stay tuned for that uh thank you guys for listening this whole season we appreciate you and uh we'll see you soon